Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Here we go! Hello and welcome to another week of Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. And I know it wasn't a winning week for the Adelaide 36ers, but I thought still a lot of positive to take out of the games we saw last week against the South East Melbourne Phoenix and the Perth Wildcats on the road. And now we've got a trip to Cairns to look forward to this Sunday. And let's hope it's a chance for the Sixers to get back on the winner's list. We'll have all of our regular segments once again, plus a very special guest on the show. I'm Chris Pike, but... The man with his name on the show, the man that's the only one to ever be involved in every NBL championship, the 36ers of one, Scott Ninnis. How do we find you this week? Uh, very disappointed, to be brutally honest, mate. Mm. Um, yeah. Look, I, I can't get over that Phoenix game. I, I was such a disappointing finish. You know, we, we had our opportunities. The game should have been on ice, you know, two or three minutes out from the end. But uh, I guess, you know, no one gave us much of a chance going into Perth, you know, with the injuries we, we had. And, uh, you, you know, I thought they showed, you know, a bit of pluck. You know, they, they sort of showed that they... Uh, you know, we're at least up for the task, especially early. But uh, I think what it does do, and, and I think this is the same time, <laughs> exactly when we played Cairns last time, I made the comment that mm. it's an absolute must game and, and that's what it becomes yep. again. And, you know, this time it's on their home turf. You know, they've had their their struggles through the year, but um, we just have to get we just have to get this done. And I, I'm I'm pretty confident that we will. I think you, you know they're a team that for whatever reason just cannot defend Daniel Johnson. So you know he's going to mm-hmm. be comfortable going in there. And uh, I think we just need to take care of business. We, we've got to make sure that obviously we do do the job on the you know the Machados and the Olivers of this world. But um, yeah, we can't let some of these role players. You know, chip in and, and get into double figures and make life tough for us. But it, it does. It becomes a must-win this uh, week for the 36ers. Yeah, I think you make a lot of good points. We'll we'll talk a bit more about it later in the show. But I think if they play as they did in those two games last week, I think they'll go up to Kings and get the win. It's just a matter of maintaining that effort. So this week on Sixers Fix, we've got a very special guest, as I mentioned. Thanks to Sports Card World, we'll speak to Isaac Humphreys and get an update on where his foot injury is and how he's settling into life in Adelaide. Of course, we'll have an update on our Premium Wine Tours Player of the Year Award. We'll give away another prize pack thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi when we name our Player of the Weekend. And this part of the show, Scott, is brought to you by All Star Photos. So Kelly Barnes, the best in the business when it comes to sports photography and especially basketball photography in Adelaide. So check him out at allstarphotos.com.au or get in touch with him at info at allstarphotos.com.au. No better time right now as the basketball competitions are starting starting up once again. So get all your team photos done and get in touch with, with Kelly and he will look after you. So... So Scott, let's go back a week to the the first game of, of last last round against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. There's a lot to like about it, unfortunately, and it's becoming a little bit of a trend where I guess there's a, a few honourable losses starting to to pile up. But when you look back on it, this game probably shouldn't have even got to overtime. The 36ers were were the better team for most of those first four quarters. Oh mate, I I it definitely shouldn't have got to overtime, and I, I don't consider it an honourable loss. I mean, to me, this mm. this is probably you know, outside the New Zealand game, where we, you know, where we we just were on old-fashioned ass kicking from start to finish. I mean, this is the one mm-hmm. for me that I, I was 
you know, not the way that it finished, not the way that we couldn't execute to win the game, but the effort areas that let us down, that's where there's no excuse. And offensive rebounding has is, is, is been a problem for a lot of the season. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not talking about the offensive rebounds where someone shoots a three-point, it's a long rebound. I'm talking about the, the, when the ball's there to be got. Yeah, we're on defence, so we've got the inside position anyway. And we just don't come up with those 50-50 balls. And in that game, you know, if there was a loose ball on the ground, if there was a rebound of what be won, they won them all the time. And that must just, as uh, you know, Connor Henry just must be tearing his hair out, you know, when, okay, the game's on the line. We take care of business and, then, and, and it's over with three minutes to go. You know, we got all the momentum. We got Brandon Paul hitting big shots. You know, and yep. then the effort areas let us down, and, and there really is no excuse for that. And uh, uh, that, and, that you, and you can't blame the coach for that either, can you? It's just the players have to put in the effort. Yeah, well, the game's on the line, and, and our, season's, yeah. our season is sort of getting to... Well, it's, it's not on the line yet, but it's getting very close to being in that situation. The ball's on the ground. They've got people throwing themselves on the ground, and we're standing there looking at them and not making that, that really hard effort to get the ball. And... Uh, to me, that was, uh, yeah, my wife would tell you, I, I was not the happiest of people to be around after that game. It, that just, to me, that was just one that should never have got to overtime. And, and you, you know, you just had the feeling once it get, got to overtime, they had all the momentum, they were going to go on with it. And, and that's what happened. Mm. So, uh, yeah. yeah, look, I was, well, I was very, very, very frustrated at the end of that game. Um, and, and then to lose Josh Giddy, you know, as well, yep. just, uh, just really hurt. Well, listen to these numbers. It backs up what you're saying, and we'll get to the Perth game shortly, and the numbers are even worse. But against the Phoenix, they had 15 offensive rebounds. We had we had six. They they scored 22 second-chance points off off those, and the Sixers only had five second-chance points. And, and I, I, I quite often say it, it, it's, it very rarely doesn't end up being the case. Whoever wins the possession game usually wins a game of basketball. And the, and the Phoenix ended up t- taking 15 more shots than the 36ers, and, and that's the game. It's those offensive rebounds for the extra shots. Absolutely. You're just giving yourself more opportunity to win. And, uh, you know, 15 offensive rebounds, uh, I, I think, I'm pretty sure it was seven or eight in the last quarter alone, and that yeah. that really yeah. is inexcusable. And, look, I know the team has addressed that. You know, I know they've they've sat down and looked at that, but and that's great. It's great that they could go, okay, what's the problem here? Show them physically, you know, this is you missing a box out or whatever, but at the end of the day, you just you know you just got to take care of business, and you've got to have that desire to just go out there and make sure that you know the next time that ball's on the floor, you know we're the first to it. You know it, it's such mm. a teams are so even a lot of the times throughout the case of the NBL season, and you know the game we've seen how many close games there are that do just do come down to a possession or two. Well, there's you know you take care of those effort areas. And you win those games. And uh, that, that to me, is what the most frustrating part of that game was. Sure, there was good signs, you know, but we should have won that game. I mean, that's, that's the start and finish of it. Now, there's some good numbers from individuals. Josh Giddy was tremendous. 15 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. And you notice a difference once he, he hurt his ankle and wasn't out on the floor. Brandon Paul, I thought, really, really good signs. Again, 20 points, 3 assists, hit four, hit four three-pointers. Johnson, 15 points again. Sunday, Detch, 13 points. Tony Crocker, 10. Jack McVeigh, 10. Is it tough to, though, look at those as positives when you're feeling so flat about the, the result when, like you said, 
this was probably the one game out of every game this season that shouldn't have been a loss the way that they, they played. And it was in their own hands to make it a win and they just let it slip. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all those things you mentioned are great. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a loss that we couldn't afford to have that should have, you know, 100% been a win. And yeah, Brendan Paul settling in better. And, and once again, all those things you say are true. But from my point of view, it is just really hard to overlook that final result because you always knew that going in Perth in Perth was going to be a difficult one. Well, it always is. It has been for 35 years. Mm. So, you, you know, you knew that was going to be tough. Um, so that, that to me was just the one that got away and, uh, you, you know, really... Uh, and, and we spoke about it last week too after, you know, after losing you know, that, that previous game against Perth from a you know, potentially unlosable position, how that mm-hmm. does tend to affect, you know, your psyche when you get into a close game. And, and I saw that firsthand myself in, in my last season as well, that, uh, you know, you, you just do start to tighten up. But uh, it, it should never have got to that point as far as this game was concerned. No, and it would have given so much more belief going to the game against Perth on, on Monday night. And I don't think you can fault... I guess you can fault the effort in some ways because we'll get to the numbers about the offensive rebounds shortly, but I thought it was a really good effort. I fought, felt like they fought hard pretty much the whole whole four quarters. They were within a chance despite everything going against them, including no Josh Giddy and no Isaac Humphreys, but I don't know if they ever believed in themselves that they could win the game, and maybe that's because they couldn't close the job on Friday night and they couldn't close the job against them two weeks earlier at the NBL Cup. I mean, I, I felt like they were in the game, but I never felt like they were actually going to make that leap to, to win it. Is that how you felt? I think that's a fair comment, mate. Absolutely. I, I, I love their endeavour. I love the way they, uh, you know, the effort they put in and the guys who got some extra opportunity. Um, you know, Dan Dillon had his best game of the season and uh, mm. I, I thought, you know, played really well. You know, Jack has, has continued... You know, he hasn't had a bad game in the last six or seven. I don't. I don't think. And uh, I, I thought. I thought it was a great effort. But I, once again, it's it's difficult to have that belief that when when you've lost so many close games from in positions that you know probably should have won from. And um, yeah, obviously you've got Bryce Cotton, who we you know I guess reaffirms in everyone's mind just uh, you know just what a superstar he is. And you know, mm. a, a, you know the best player we've seen in this competition in, in a long, long time. And uh, you know, we're now talking about talking with Brett last night about you know he he's now ranked in in the all-time greats. You know, and he you mm. know if the Wildcats win a couple of more championships and he gets another couple of MVPs, who knows, mate? He might be the best ever, but he, he's he's already in yeah. consideration now for that uh, for those uh, one of those all-time greats. So he obviously had his way with us, and um, you know, <laughs> there's no there's no uh, there's no shame in that. Um, you know, he, he's no, a great. I don't think anyone could have done anything about anyone. There's no one in the league. I don't know if there's anyone really in the NBA that could have done anything about how he played on Monday night. You almost had to just accept he was going to be scoring at least 36 points, which he ended up doing. Oh, oh look, absolutely. You know, and, and look, look. I, I, to me, that's not the problem. The, you know, I look, at, I, look, yeah. I look down the line and see Mooney with nine offensive rebounds. You know, I see us letting mm-hmm. you know, Mitch Norton score 13 points. Uh, you, you know, there, there's some of those things are the ones that, you, you know, you just got to take care of business. You know, one guy's not going to beat you, well, very rarely is going to beat you by himself. But, you know, you, you look at some of those other things that, that can be controlled and, you know, that's, uh, that's a disappointing thing. But once again, I, I, I think they will take... Yeah, you know, showing that they can compete with Perth in Perth, 
you know, with, mm. with injuries, oh, I think they will take a lot of heart out of that game. And, and I think most people, you know, expected us to get beaten by 30 in that game. And, uh, you know, the fact we didn't, the fact we were there with them, um, I think that they can take a lot of heart out of that and, and move forward in this Cairns game with uh, uh, hopefully some confidence against a team that yeah. they've already beaten. Yeah, I think so too. A couple of things I wanted to pick your brain about. Coming into the game with Josh Giddy ruled out, Alex Madronia ended up starting, and I'm not sure. I think it was time to throw Brandon Paul in there, and it, by the end of the game, Paul had only played 18 minutes and took five shots. To me, this was the time to to put Brandon on Bryce Cotton for the entire game. If Bryce still scores 36, so be it. I think Brandon had every chance to score 36 himself, but he takes five shots and plays 18 minutes, and, and to me, I think that might have been a really missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's easy from the outside, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, and, I know and, yeah. and once again, I mean, would I have started Majonra? Well, I don't think so. I, I, I certainly would have had Brandon Paul in there somewhere. But once again, I, I'm not the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the coach. <laughs> I have been, and there's a, there's a reason why I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you know, to me, I, I would have had Brandon Paul out there and made him the, the centerpiece of our offense. But we don't know what happens behind the scenes. We don't know why he didn't start. You know, we don't know what Connor Henry was trying to look for and trying to do. Uh, big ask from a genre, but I, I, I think just on Cotton, I think that is a really big ask to ask a Brandon Paul to chase him round when we want him yeah, to, be, no, sure. to be our main man up the other end. To me, you know, you've got Majonra, you've got Brendan Tees, you've got Dan Dillon. I don't think any of those uh, players are, are going to stop them, but they've got a, they've got a lot of fouls to use, uh, <laughs> you mm. know, between him mm. and, and, and beat him up and wear him down over the course of the game. So, you know, I know when I was playing for the South East Melbourne Magic and we... You know, we were a very physical team. You know, when we played against the Perth Wildcats back in those days, you know, Darren Lucas, his job and my job was to, it was just, you know, we weren't going to stop Ricky Grace because no one stopped Ricky Grace. But our job was to turn him in the backcourt, try and wear him down in the course of the game so that come down the stretch of that last quarter, because you knew the game was going to be closed, that he might just miss that three-point shot. He might not, you know, that, so that's, that's the, I guess that's the mindset I would have liked to have seen the Sixers take with Bryce Cotton. No one's going to stop him, but you've got mm. the guys who can be physical and use up some fouls. And, and if they're only playing 10 or 15 minutes and they're not your key guys... Well, you know, every time, every time you bump him away from the ball, every time you make him catch that ball or step off, you know, further out than where he wants to get it, you've achieved what you're trying to do. Because hopefully, uh, it might just, uh, you know, he might just miss that important shot down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Now, those offensive rebound numbers—they're the big difference in this game as well. So Perth had 24 of them. They scored 24 second chance points. Adelaide. Five offensive rebounds and seven second-chance points. And as a result, the Wildcats end up taking 20 more shots and the fouls are probably another another factor as well. 19 extra foul shots as well. Um, it's pretty pretty tough to win a game when you're taking 18 fewer shots and getting to the foul line 20 less times than the opposition. Look, you're right. And, and, it's, and it's obviously now has become a you know, mammoth problem that, that has to be addressed. Now, sure... 
at times we're going with a short lineup with, with Jack McVeigh at the four. But, you know, by no means am I just pointing the figure at our big guys either. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, Daniel Johnson and Pinder need to, you know, they, they need to put control the defensive boards. They're, they're the two guys with the inside position, sure. But we're getting got, you know, we need help. This needs to be, rebounding is a, is a team problem. It's not just a one individual or two individual. This is a, this is a, this is a team issue, you know. So yeah. we, we need, you know, Crocker needs to be in there, you know, uh, you know, Majona uh, or Dylan need to be at the fair line waiting for those long rebounds. It, it can't be just something that we go, okay, DJ, you need to get 20 rebounds a game. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Need, we need this to be, you know, a mindset, collective mindset where they're going, you know what, this is, you know, every time they get an offensive rebound, it, it should be like a dagger in the heart. And it should be, you yeah. know, this is not going to happen the next time down the court because, you know, ultimately, and you've seen it over, you, you know, anyone that's watched basketball for a long time, you give off offensive rebounds, you know, inevitably the team is going to score off it. You know, you give up yeah. a second and third offensive rebound, they're definitely going to score. In a lot of cases, mm-hmm. it's kicking out to a wide-open three-point shooter and that's, uh, you know, that's what really, really hurts. So uh, it, it, it's it's... Yeah, you know, and it doesn't get any easier, you know, against Cairns. You know, Jawai scares me a little mm. bit. You know, if, if Mike Kelly, you know, Mike Kelly's probably getting similar criticism, I guess, to what uh, Connor Henry has with not playing Jawai enough. Uh, you know, the same yeah. with Brandon Paul. Uh, we don't have a great matchup for Jawai. And uh, by no. the same token, uh, you, you know, there's no way that he can guard a Daniel Johnson either. So... Um, but, uh, you know, they got some big boys, some big bodies out there who are going to crash the boards and are athletic. Uh, that has to be the absolute uh, number one mindset going in there that, you know, we're not, you know, the opposition's not scoring, not at having 15 more shot attempts or 20 more yeah. shot attempts than us. It's what's happened in the last two games. Absolutely. So, again, a lot to like from that Perth game, despite what we're saying. I mean, it was a, a 10-point loss, but it's against the best team in the competition right now, and... And it was without Josh Giddy, it was without Isaac Humphreys, and really for most of the last quarter, it was without Sunday Detch, it was without Keanu Pinder, and then even Brandon Paul rolled his ankle late in the game. So it was a pretty brave effort in a lot of ways. Um, it just would have probably been a bit easier to take if it if they had been able to close the, the deal against the Phoenix a couple of days earlier, I suppose, when when you look back on it. But um, some, some players stood out once again. So let's update our Premier Wine Tours Player of the Year award, Scott. And against the Phoenix... Um, we got Josh Giddy for the three, Brandon Paul the two, Sunday Detch the one. Um, there's probably a, f- a few guys in there for the mix. It was it's nice to have a have a few guys putting their hands up. It is, and uh, we've spoken about this before. It's it's great when you've you know when you you've got choices. <laughs> you know, we've, mm. we've we've had games when we you know haven't had three players that probably deserve votes. So it's uh, you know it, it's great when when you do have that uh, you know those sort of choices and. Um, yeah, you know, that's certainly in that in that Phoenix game. I thought there was, uh, you know, the, the votes could have gone to a uh, you know a number of different players, but uh, yeah, that that's the way we went with those votes. So I think you know we've had, you know, we had five, maybe even six players in double figures, which is is a great sign. Mm. And 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 when you're doing that and you've got those sort of options, uh, you are going to win a lot of those games. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, as we spoke about, that just didn't happen. Yeah, and then against the Wildcats on Monday, Daniel Johnson the three, Daniel Dillon the two, and Jack McVeigh the one. It was great to see Daniel Dillon grab his minutes early, and then that just forced Connor to have to play him for longer because he earned his minutes and and clearly his best game of the season, maybe his best game 
in the two seasons he's been here in Adelaide. Yeah, to, you know, to be honest with you, you know, watching watching from afar last year, I I, I wouldn't have been surprised if um, you know they've they moved in another direction. I know that he was signed for this year, but uh, mm. um, you know he he was used fairly sparingly last year and and didn't didn't have a lot of great games. So I was really happy for him. I, I like Dan. He's he's a quality guy and. Uh, Yep. You know he's he's that he's that big guard. You know certainly surely he you know he obviously can't you know doesn't have the athleticism that he he once had. But you know those veterans are invaluable and yeah uh, you know, it, was, it was great to see him have a great game. He was five for five from the field and and really gave us a lift when he played. Yeah, and he he had a great time up in Cairns going back a decade. So I'm sure he's looking forward to getting back up there now on Sunday. The leaderboard though, Scott, on the Premium Wine Tours Player of the Year, Daniel Johnson's out on top thirty three, but. Josh Kidd is closing that gap, so let's hope he's not out for too long with this ankle injury. He's only back on 25, and if Isaac Humphreys gets back and has enough games, he's still he's still there close enough on 20. Sunday Detch is still a chance if he puts together some form. He's 13, Tony Crocker 6, Jack McVeigh 6, and Brandon Paul. He's only played three games, but he's already got four votes. So with, with 17 games to go, I would suggest any of those guys can probably still win. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you still have to think that DJ's probably going to poll enough votes. I expect us to be, if I look into my crystal ball, mate, I expect us to be you know, talking next week probably with another three votes from DJ. I, I know... Uh, well, he I, loves playing against Cairns. He loves playing against Cairns. And once again, <laughs> they, they just don't have people to stop him. I, you know, you think Mike Kelly might, might try and double him a bit more, which might limit his influence to open up for other guys. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that it's open. Uh, I know that Isaac's itching to get back out there, and, and boy, do, do we need him. But, unfortunately, that's, mm. that's still a couple of weeks away, and uh, they announced today that uh, you know, Josh Giddy won't play in this, this game against Cairns. But, I, I, you know, once again, I, I think that just gives people opportunity. And, 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 and so, you know, the Daniel Dillons of this world go into that game knowing that they're going to, you know, going to play extended minutes. And, and from a player's point of view, when you know that, especially someone who, you know, probably hasn't been getting regular minutes, uh, you know, that can give you a bit of confidence knowing that you're going to be able to have an opportunity to go out there and make a difference. So oh, I like our chances. Uh, you know, as I said, it's it's a must win. Uh, we just got to go up there regardless of who we've got in the lineup and make sure we get away with a win on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Scott, let's take a quick break to now get to our Australian Motors Mitsubishi Player of the Week award for round 10 in the NBL. We put the vote out there to our listeners with the options of Daniel Johnson and Josh Giddy. Um, even though Josh only played the one game, he was still outstanding in that one game that he did play against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, where he almost had that triple-double in the overtime game. But it was Daniel Johnson that ended up on top in our, in our votes cast by our listeners. And now it's time to announce the winner of the prize pack for this week, thanks to our... Good friends at Australian Motors Mitsubishi. And now, Scott, your favourite part of the show. We'll do a drum roll as we get the names together in our hat. Okay. And the lucky winner this week of the prize pack, thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi, is Kelly Barnes. Great supporter of our show here at Sixers Fix. So... Why shouldn't he get a bit of a reward for it? He'll be the special winner of the the prize pack thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi. Make sure you join us next week. Check out our social media pages. Just type in Sixers Fix and check us out on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Cast your vote and you could be the lucky winner next week thanks to Australian Motors Mitsubishi.
Let's take a deep breath, Scott. Let's have a chat to Isaac Humphreys now and get an update on how he's tracking and everything else. Before we get to him, have you been pleasantly... Before he got injured, were you pleasantly surprised with just just how good he was playing? Because he was he was leading most MVP voting thoughts across the league by the time he got injured. Oh, I was blown away. I think like most people, that first game when he was coming off that little knee mm. yeah, niggle and that, that injury... You know, it was, he didn't play a lot and, and he didn't have a great game. And then the, <laughs> someone flicked the switch and, uh, mm. yeah, the, this monster came to play every week. And uh, it was just, you know, he just had the you know, the ability to lift a crowd and his energy. And, and what he was, I think what surprised me the most is what he was able to do defensively. And, and that was really, really exciting. So, uh, yeah, we just need him back on the quarters as quickly as humanly possible and look forward to seeing him out there again. Yeah, but before that, let's have a chat to him here on Sixers Fix and when we come back, we'll be with Isaac Humphreys. Okay, back here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis and, and Scott, this is a chat that we've been looking forward to having all season. We couldn't have been more impressed with what Isaac Humphreys has brought to the 36ers where... Obviously disappointed he's sidelined at the moment, but hopefully that's not going to last too much longer. Isaac, how do we find you right now, and how frustrated is it being on the sidelines? Mm, it's very frustrating, um, especially, you know, we're in a bit of a losing streak, so that makes it worse. But, yeah, it was it's very frustrating because, you know, I was feeling really good and, and felt like I was playing really well and just really, really annoying timing and, and um, not what I really wanted this year, but... Can't really control it and just have to kind of see the positives in the situation and just come back stronger and, and make the most of my rehab and all that sort of stuff. And just, I guess that's the only real mentality you can have um, with an injury like this. All right, let's, uh, let's not dance around, mate. Uh, every 36 of fan is wants to know when you're going to be on the court. Can you, can you give us a bit of an update mm. on the injury and, and how that's all going? Yeah, it's going well. Um, we're progressing pretty well. I don't know when I'll be back. I'm hoping a couple more weeks, so not too much longer, but um, we're kind of moving into that uh, stage of you know running and w- uh, walking like without my boot and, and running and sort of entering into that stage now, so that's kind of positive. Um, but we just have to be careful. It's a very sensitive little injury down there and I'm a big dude so it's you know holding up a lot of weight and feet in general are just hard injuries so um, they're very intricate so we're not 100% sure but uh, you know in my head I'm hoping just a couple more weeks um, but like I said we're not 100% sure yet and I guess that's the thing it seems it seems like the season's gone on forever already but there's still there's still a lot of games to go and uh, I think mm. you, what you said there is right we've got to make sure that when you do get back on court that uh, you know you're not going to be in a position to to, to re re-injure yourself so that's uh, uh, yeah. I, I like the fact that uh, you know you, you, you're going with caution and uh, but it, it must be killing you not being out there oh. watching uh, some of these uh, tight games that we've ended up on the wrong side of. Yeah, it is because um, I love a good tight game. Um, <laughs> and I love playing in them and love a good OT. But uh, yeah, it's very. I mean, it's hard. In, it's hard in general watching um, my, my team play without me anyway. Um, but it being so close in a couple of them and you know coming right down to the end there, it's it's been even worse, like even more frustrating. So. 
um, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that one. Um, I just, yeah, I just want it to get better so I can get back out there and play. And this is, uh, you know, it's obviously been a season like like no other we've we've ever mm. seen in the well the history of any any <laughs> any sport or any part of the world, mm. I suppose. But um, you know, how how did you find it with? Uh, you know, the, the three or four months you spent in pre-season, not knowing when the season was going to start. And how, how did you and the team sort of keep yourself, I guess, mentally, you know, strong throughout that time? It just seems to be like such a difficult thing to do. It must have been must have been tough on everyone, I suppose. Yeah, it was hard. Um, it was definitely something no one was used to. And, you know, we were all trying to figure it out as it kind of went, you know, with everyone. So, um it was definitely weird and it wasn't ideal having a for what felt like six month preseason um, <laughs> uh, because, you know, bodies started to break down like by the, the end of it and we hadn't even started the season yet. So it was very strange and a very weird kind of um, element to factor into our off season. But uh, I guess we got through it and, and that sort of thing. But I think us um, getting through it was a lot to do with off the court. We kind of, came together and gelled really quickly as a team and we would do stuff a lot off the court and I think and have a lot of fun and I think that kept us going because we would be working so hard in the gym and on the court, you know, for so long with no real, you know, day in sight. We just were training, I don't know, just seemingly, uh, it seemed like it was just for no reason really, but it wasn't. It was obviously for a reason, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But we were training so much and, and what kept us going was how much fun we'd have with each other off the court. And I mean, Scotty, we did that wine tour and we had an awesome time. Um, thank you for that. Um, but we obviously just loved, you know, hanging out with each other in that preseason. We still do, but um, uh, I think that's what kind of got us, kept us ticking over. Mate, I, I think you, you make a really valid point there. I, I think that's really important in, in any team to be successful you know, obviously you spent so much time grinding it out on, on the court and this year more than anyone, you, you've got to have, you've got to, be able to do stuff away from the basketball with each other. Mm. I think that just builds up trust and that, that camaraderie. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that's really good to hear. And uh, I've got a, I just want to speak to you a little bit. I mean, you've, you've played basketball all over the world, uh, you know, in, in the NBA, uh, you know, and overseas in other areas uh, here in, in Australia for Sydney. Uh, how, how are you finding Adelaide, injury aside, how have you found settling into Adelaide and, and the lifestyle here? I've loved it. Um, I very much enjoy Adelaide. It's uh, a really cool city. I think it's got everything you need and like still got that kind of big city vibe, like if you, if you want it to, to be, you know, or it's very quiet if you want it to be as well. Um, I love where I live, like down at Henley. It's I can't complain at all. And I think having, um, you know, like I said, a really good group of teammates around me has made me sort of love it even more because it's um, just sort of the whole package. Um, but, yeah, Adelaide's – it grew on me so quickly and uh, I'm constantly finding things and visiting places that just are blowing me away. Um, and I think it's just South, South Australia in general as a state He's one of the most underrated, but like, most beautiful places in the world. And um, I've been able to get around a little bit and check some of these places out. And There's some incredible spots here. So, yeah, I've very quickly fallen in love with Adelaide. Now, Isaac, you mentioned, well, mate, that- sorry, you mentioned the wine tour you went on with Scott before. I don't know if you're aware, but 
we've got a Player of the Year award here on the show. It's sponsored by Premium Wine Tours, and whoever wins gets a, a wine tour for four, thanks to Scott. Um, yeah. Now, when you got hurt, you were leading that. Um, how much of a motivation is that to get back to try to, to, try to win that? <laughs> uh, oh, that's, that's just every day my motivation. <laughs> that's what I live and breathe. That's what I think about every day. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tour well, for four. Who would you take with you? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Probably some of the boys or um, my family. I'm not sure. Mm. Gosh, I don't know. Hopefully it's something well, you have mate, to I'm, worry about. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, yeah, you talked about South Australia. You no argument for this born and bred uh, South Australian boy about how beautiful our, our city is. Yeah, uh, Mate, I just, I just want to touch on you. There's been a lot made of the... Uh, the on-court camaraderie between you and Josh Giddy. Um, you know, was that something that uh, you know was obvious from day one, or was it something that you worked to or spoke with each other about? Because um, you know, when you guys get uh, involved with each other, it's, it's been a thing of beauty. Mm. Yeah, and it's um, it's really awesome to be a part of for sure. Um, but no, we didn't plan it. Um, we, you know, Josh is a quiet kid, so he he was kind of hard to get to know at the start of the season because um, he just kind of keeps to himself and he's shy and he's young, you know, and just have to kind of figure it all out still. Um, so, you know, it wasn't planned or anything like that. And in practices, like, we never were really, you know, we weren't on the same team very often. So we never really got to form that connection until uh, I sort of came back from a little knee niggle right before the season. And then we kind of found that, connection literally in front of everyone um we were figuring it out when you guys were all watching it so uh that's when all that happened and you know as excited as everyone was to see that connection like it was awesome for us too because we'd come out of every game and be like wow we can really like we're just getting better with the two of us and we can really just take over um at some point you know so um that was a that was it's been awesome um obviously yeah, very sad that we can't continue that at the moment. But I'm sure once I'm back and once he's back, uh, yeah, we'll be right back on track and and uh, making that connection even better. I also love the connection you developed with DJ. I mean, I think I think we all pretty much thought that you two were the best front court in the league. Did that come pretty naturally to to team up so well alongside him? Uh, I think. Um, on the court, it was quite natural because DJ is such a crafty player as mm. it is, and uh, he was always going to be a really good, um, like big to big passer and like big to big sort of player. We kind of we always knew that would sort of be pretty good offensively. Um, but you know, I made it a he's, DJ's a quiet guy as well, so I kind of made it a big goal of mine to kind of um, not crack him, but you know, get to know him a, a little bit better and form form a good connection off the court as well because I knew that that would. Um, especially with DJ, um, that would be really beneficial for us on the court. So um, I definitely worked at that one, and we both did. I mean, we knew it was going to be a, we were going to be a big part of our team, and and we knew that we kind of needed to be on the same page. So yeah, we just worked on on a friendship almost, and um, I think that uh, has helped a lot on the court. And we 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 feed off each other as well, and we genuinely are just so happy to like let let each other do their thing and play with each other when we can and, uh, and that sort of thing. But we're, we're just always very excited for each other. It's, it's, it's a cool little connection. 
Oh, so you've been in a obviously an unfortunate position now to, to be out for a few games, and and mm. you know we've seen seen us lose some close games, and and there are some issues, well, I guess, with giving up offensive rebounds, inability mm. to close out close games. What, what in from what you're seeing, uh, you know, can you can you let us know what you think that the team needs to do going forward now that we've added Brandon Paul to turn those uh, losses into wins. Yeah, I think with the off with the offensive rebounds, um, we actually went through that today in film. It's positional and just intent. I think it's you know there's an there's an there's an art to rebounding, and it's not just standing there and boxing out and getting the ball. Like you've got to time it and figure out where the other man is, and there's a lot to rebounding. So um, yeah, we went through that today on film, and was and we were able to point out like what we could change and do better, like to get those rebounds because obviously per just got so many off. I think it was like 19 or maybe even 22 or something um, offensive rebounds last game, which was, which is just way too much. So um, that is definitely being addressed and, and hopefully that can uh, take a turn the next couple games. Um, I also think we need to just find a little bit more fight and a bit more grit towards the end of the games because we, we, we put ourselves in really good positions to win and then sort of, uh, like fall back like at the end there kind of and then just, and just don't fully close the game out um, and I think that will will hopefully change over the next couple of games as well um, but yeah I mean it's so hard for me because I'm not with the boys I travel with the boys at the moment so it's tough um, just watching but um, that's what I'm seeing well, just uh, just mentioned Brandon and Paul. Uh, how, how is he settling into the group? Obviously, you know, we, we see that he's got uh, a ton of ability. Is he fitting in, yeah. fitting in well on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, he is. Um, he's a good dude. Uh, he, Like I said, I haven't been travelling and we've had so many away games. Yeah. So I haven't got to know him that well yet. Um, but the boys, you know, obviously Toby is a great dude. And from what I've um, had to do with him, he's a great guy. Um and a player, I mean, he's going to be really good for us. He's a really good shooter, so we kind of need that, that reliable shooting um, at the op- option at the moment, um, you know, with, to go along with some of our other shooters. But um, I think with him, it's just uh, finding his feet a little bit in the league. And, you know, it always takes a couple games to, to find your feet in the NBL, I feel like, um, and just sort of get used to our system and, and all that sort of thing. Um, I think he's only played a couple games, like two or three games with us, right? So, right, yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely, you know, that adjustment period that he still needs to go through and hopefully we just start seeing his confidence and just like the trust with everyone just sort of come together a bit more. So we have, we, we've obviously, we've had some devastating losses. I don't think there's any way of no. dress, dressing that up. Uh, you know, how, how is it on a day-to-day basis? Like, I know you haven't, you're saying you haven't travelled, but mm. I know sometimes when you have losses of that, it can really impact upon you. Your psych, uh, whether, whether yeah. you know it or not, you know, a uh, uh, spirit still up. Is everyone still confident moving forward that uh, we can turn this around? It really is. Um, everyone's spirits are definitely up. Um, we've been having a lot of team meetings and just talking through a lot of stuff. You know, even without the coaches. So, so t- spirits are definitely up, and we and we're talking through what we need to do and how we can get there. Um, so, it's, yeah, there's no giving up or anything like that happening. Um, everyone's very much still in it. Uh, it. We just need a win to kind of <laughs> break that ice a little bit, you know, and just get us back on track. Um, we're very, 
you know, excited for this weekend, going into Cairns. Um, it's a game we can get for sure. And I think we really need it uh, for a lot of reasons, but just to kind of get the ball rolling again on some wins. And as we mentioned, there's still so long to go in this season. You know, there's, there's a ton of games left to, to be able to turn it around. I just want to yeah. sort of take a slightly different tack with the Isaac. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. your rookie year in the NBL was with the Sydney Kings. Um, yeah. How have you found the NBL from that year you had with Sydney to this year in Adelaide? Are there, are there similarities? Are there differences? Can you give us a bit of a you know, idea from then uh, to now? I guess it's a bit hard because... My rookie year was a normal season, and this season is <laughs> so weird and not normal. So I don't even know what to compare this year to. But um, I mean, the the on the court stuff is still. I mean, it's it's. I think it's been a good league for a number of years now. Um, I think it's better now. Like playing on the court, the level is better. Um, but I mean, gosh, it's hard because they're so different. And yeah. and like I'm so different as well. So, um, geez, uh, <laughs> you got me, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll make the, I guess. I mean, that's another thing too. I mean, you're only 23 years old. Um, you, you know, you, you've been phenomenal on the court. Uh, you know, from what we've seen this year, um, it is you know a lot of talk about getting back into the NBA. Is it still something that really drives you to? to get over there and establish yourself? You, or are you happy just to, to get here for a couple of years and, and make a name for yourself? What, what's what's the future for Isaac Humphries, if, if you could predict it, I guess? <laughs> well, I mean, I would love to be back in the NBA and, and a bit more solidified than I was last time. Like That's obviously everyone's goal. Um, it's definitely my goal. I came back to Australia due to weird circumstances, but was more than happy to stay and play because I love Australia and I love the NBL and, you know, I'm having a great time. But I came back with the goal of getting, heading back over there on a you know solid roster spot contract. And how that happens is whether that's, you know, one year, two years, three years, who knows. But that's the end goal. Um, not the end goal, but you know what I mean? Like the, the next yeah. goal. Um and yeah, it's just a matter of kind of however that happens is how it happens. But um, I do go into the games thinking about that for sure, and just playing really hard. Something I learned in the G League uh, over my t- with my time in the G League um, is that you know scouts are always watching. There's never um, there's never like they're, they're watching everything. There's never a game they're not watching to pretty much anymore. So um, and being so under the nose of NBA teams in the G League, it just taught me to have to perform every game and play hard every game because your resume is every single game you play. So that's what I go into every game week, just knowing that people are watching and I need to perform every game. And that's just how our business is at this sort of time in basketball careers where you kind of, you know, four years in and want to sort of get to that next level and um, you just have to be really diligent with it all. Well, mate, I tell you what, it'd be nice to see a pick and roll in the NBA with uh, Giddy to Humphreys at some <laughs> stage. That'd, 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 that'd that would be, be cool. That'd be, that'd be every South Australia's new favourite team, whoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, obviously, there's been a lot made about Josh's, you know, future and and you know, coming here for possibly just the one year and getting drafted. If, yep. You know, having been there, there yourself, have you have you had any uh, you know words of advice for him about uh, you, you know the big picture and what he needs to do and uh, to to that uh, in that position yeah we talk about it um 
Not a whole lot because I know Josh likes to just kind of focus on the now and we're all kind of yeah. focusing in on the now um, and not letting that outside noise affect us too much. But, um, I mean, we, we for sure talk about it and he asks questions just about my experiences and what it's like and, and I share insight. Just to, you know, I think with Josh, like I said, because he's quiet and likes to kind of do his own thing, that will just, the locker room sort of vibe will be different because NBA locker rooms are very loud and vibrant and there's a lot going on and full on, as you can imagine. So uh, that will be an adjustment for him, but that's fine. I mean, he's growing up and he's going to start his NBA career and uh, I think he'll be he'll be all good and he seems very excited and very switched on with it all. And yeah, we definitely talk about it, but, um, but yeah, I think that'll be the, the big thing for him. Yeah, Chris, we have a, uh, there's a bit of a running joke at all the 36 of holiday camps and school clinics when we get the kids to ask questions of the team. And Brendan Tease is the main culprit here. Always <laughs> ask, who, who's the best player you've ever played against in the NBA to Isaac? Mm-hmm. Or he gets one of the kids to do it. Now, I know mm-hmm. that uh, Isaac has played against uh, uh, the Greek freak, but uh, that's, that's not your answer, is it, as far as the, the guy that's the best player you've ever played against, is it? Well, now I'm confused. I can't remember because every time I say different names, it's really cheesy, and I can't remember what I've what I've said now. Well, I, think you, I think you mentioned Orange on a on a couple of occasions, haven't you? Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was really good. I remember playing against him. He um. Well, I, I have not not modelled, but I had watched his game for a while because he's you know got that passing ability, like over the shoulder shooting ability, just really crafty in the post and. Uh, yeah, I'd been watching him, and then my first NBA game was against him. I was guarding him, and he just was so smooth and so good. So, I, yeah, I I think I had a tougher matchup against Aldridge than um, Giannis, mm-hmm. but I, I think that could have just been like situational, like game, sure. game situational. But yeah, I would say Aldridge, but obviously you kind of have to go with Giannis. <laughs> I think it makes sense oh, to easy. it makes sense to go with the guy that you actually matched up. Match up yeah. a little bit. Now, I've got to ask you because it's so much fun watching you play because you bring so much energy at both ends of the floor. I think I think it was fantastic seeing the way you were playing defensively. What gives you a bigger bigger rush? A big block shot or a, or a big dunk? That's a tough one. I was actually just talking about that with someone today. Not specifically that, but mm. um, my uh, one of our staff members on the team was shooting and I said just hold the ball out like a layup like I just want to feel like a block again mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, swatted it away and I just love that feeling but I don't know I mean a big dunk and a good yell is always great but swatting a ball away and like stopping a basket in a real in crunch times a really good feeling so oh that's a really tough one you're allowed I, to like I both, take I, way, I take a lot. I take a lot of pride in my defense. So that and my block shots, as we as we all know. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'd probably say that that would yeah that would get me more uh, like more into it probably a big block. Mm. Well, I never I never got a block shot, so guys. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm going with the dunk. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did you get a dunk? Did you even get a dunk, Scotty? Come on. Now, oh, there's, now, there's now, plenty now. of footage. There's a man that doesn't know his history. Don't look at the now, Isaac. We have 15 kilos in about 20 years, and you have hey, a supreme enough. athlete. Fair enough, fair enough. I've got one last one for you, Isaac. Now, we have a segment yep. on this show, Ask the Coach, with Connor Henry. So when I get a player mm-hmm. on, I give him the chance to give me a question to ask Connor that you might not ask him yourself in person. Does something spring to mind? Ooh, something spring to mind. I don't know. Connor and I talk about some interesting things. Hmm. What would I ask Connor? Um, 
Gosh, I should have. I should have got the questions in advance so I could have some answers for you. Are, are um, you going to start me and play, 30, play me 35 minutes in my first yeah. game back? That's a, that is a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, mm, what does – okay, this, this, he'll laugh, probably laugh at this one. What does turn it, like, actually mean? <laughs> you won't believe this. That's exactly what Sunday Dej got me to ask him. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I'm going I'm to ask that on your behalf as well. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, do it. Well, Isaac, uh, we we thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know this goes without saying, but uh, myself and and Chris and every 36er fan out there can't wait to see you back on the court. Uh, Good luck with the rehab and uh, for the rest of the season, mate. Thank you. I can't wait to be back out there too. So we're all in the same boat. Okay, back here on Sixers Fix, and let's wrap up this week's show. It's been a big one already. I hope you all enjoyed that chat, especially with, with Isaac Humphreys. And, and and once again, thank you to Sports Card World for making that possible. Thanks to the support of Australian Motors Mitsubishi, All-Star Photos and Kelly Barnes. And check out his Art of the Hoops collection as well if you want to add some, some artwork to, to anywhere in your house or your office, really. And thanks to Premium Wine Tours for their support as well. Looking forward to the game in Cairns, Scott. It's going to be a, going to be a fascinating one. Let's hope that Nate Jawai doesn't doesn't cut loose, but at the same time, let's hope Daniel Johnson does. Let's hope Brandon Paul is allowed to do his thing as well, and let's hope we're coming back next week with a win to talk about. I'll sign off, and I'm Chris Pike, and let's enjoy the game on Sunday and and come back with a win next week, Scott, on Sixers Fix. But for now, I'll leave you with the final words. Yeah, just quickly, mate. I, you know, Isaac Humphrey is an impressive young man, isn't he? He, he just comes mm. across so well. And uh, as mentioned, we need him back on the court. But uh, look, I, I think you know it's it's such a long season, such a weird year that you know anything can happen. We can still get our season back on track, and I, I like our chances against Cairns. I really do. I think uh, you know they they've had uh, their issues as well. Um, I think we go up there with a lot of confidence and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing that game Sunday afternoon and uh, uh, with another win and, and putting us back on the right side of the ledger.